there, this is Jen Wade, part of the core team here at Springs Church. We just want to say thank you so much for joining us and listening to our podcast. We are praying that it encourages you and it inspires you. And if you'd like to find out more about Springs Church, please visit our website, springschurch.co.uk. Here's today's message. Hello, everybody. How are we all doing? Um, before I jump into anything, I should introduce myself, as is the custom. Um, when you introduce people, um, or introduce yourself. Uh, so my name's Sam. For those who don't know who I am, uh, I am been to Springs for six-ish years, maybe. Um, don't ask me why my voice went so high. Uh, it just does. Uh, uh, so uh, I'm part of the youth and kids team, so if you have never spoken to me, I do apologize. If you have a kid, I've probably spoken to your child, but maybe not you. Um, uh, so over the last few weeks, we have been introducing ourselves with nicknames. Um, <laughs> The sad thing is, I've never been given a nickname. Um, uh, you, you may in one second. Um, Legolas, there you go, I've heard that. Um, it's sad, isn't it, really? Uh, but my name is just Sam, or the closest thing I can get to a nickname is what my mom calls me, Sammy Tom. But it's not really a nickname, because it's just a, a mashup of my first name, Samuel, or Sam, and Thomas, Tom, Sammy Tom. There you go, guys. Uh, so that's the closest you're going to get to uh, a nickname from me. Uh, so over the last few weeks, we have been going through different uh, names that people call God in the Bible. Uh, and these are names which reflect the characteristic of God. Uh, and today, we're going to continue on that path, as you can imagine. Um, and the name I've gone for today isn't on the screen. It's going to curveball everybody. We've got no PowerPoint. I thought you can look at this beautiful face for the while I talk. Lucky you. Uh, and it's Jehovah Sidkanu. Uh, thank you. Jehovah Sidkanu. You know how I learned that name? There is a hymn which is called Jehovah Sidkanu. Recommend it. A good hymn. Um, and that means the Lord is our righteousness. Uh, so I'll give everybody a bit of time to either open their phone and find the Bible uh, and then go through it that way or get the old classic paper Bible uh, and you can turn to Jeremiah 33. Uh, it's, so Jehovah Sidkanu is mentioned twice in the Bible, uh, both in the book of Jeremiah. Uh, fun fact. Uh, so turn to Jeremiah 33. But before we do that, I want to give a bit of context to what we're about to read, because uh, a little bit of a heads up, it's pretty depressing, um, <laughs> as is the book of Jeremiah if you've never read it. Um, so the, the heads up for it is... As we dive into this passage, uh, there's some things we need to know. We're joining uh, the Israelite people in Jerusalem, uh, and it's not, a, it's not a good day in Jerusalem is all I'm going to say. Uh, they're currently under attack by a mighty nation called Babylon. Um, and if you don't know, if you don't know your, your Bible history, uh, they will eventually be completely wiped out in Jerusalem and be led away by, by the Babylonians. Uh, and what's, what's fun with this, not really fun, is they're actually not just being attacked, i.e. the walls are being knocked down, uh, they're actually being starved out, which is really pleasant for, for the people in there, as you can imagine. Uh, and why is this happening? Uh, for those who don't know, the Israelites are apparently God's chosen people. So why is God letting Israel suddenly be completely attacked? Um, and that's a really good question, if you're thinking it. Uh, and it's because of centuries and centuries of not following God and choosing to worship somebody other than God. Not just are they not worshiping God, not just are they 
uh, turning their back on him. They're also then worshipping false gods. They're like, hey, how can I really disrespect God? Let's worship a false god. But not only are they worshipping a false god, they're also bringing their false god into the church and then going, let's, let's worship this false god in the place we, worship, we used to worship God. So pretty disrespectful, uh, if, uh, if you don't mind me saying. And even if you do, tough luck, I've said it. Um, and uh, so God has actually fulfilled what he said he would do. Um, so for those who don't know, in Deuteronomy 28, um, God actually says a lot of things in Deuteronomy. Beautiful book. He's like, actually, guys, if you follow me, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to keep you safe. There's going to be security. Uh, but God also drops in a little bit of a hint. If you don't follow him, what's going to happen uh, to the people of Israel? He says, if you don't follow me, if you choose to worship false gods, if you choose to, to live for yourself and, and look after yourself and seek other people, uh, my hand of blessing, my hand of protection is going to be completely taken away. And I'm going to let a nation come in and teach you a lesson, so to say. And that's where we're joining them. So in Jeremiah 33, we shall join them. Uh, this is a long passage, and I didn't want to cut it short. So we're going from Jeremiah 33, verse 1 to 16. For those who are like me and switch half, halfway through, don't worry, I will summarize at the end. <laughs> so while Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard of the guard, the Lord gave him this second message. This is what the Lord says, the Lord who made the earth, who formed and established it, whose name is the Lord. Ask me and I will tell you the remarkable secrets you do not know about the things to come. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Let's try and find where it says that. Yep, there's the next line. You have torn down the houses of this city and even the king's palace to get materials to strengthen the walls against the siege ramps and swords of the enemy. This is where it gets depressing. You expect to fight the Babylonians, but the men of this city are already as good as dead. For I have determined to destroy them in my terrible anger. Told you it was depressing. Uh, I have abandoned them because of all their wickedness. But there's a little bit of hope. Nevertheless, the time will come when I will heal Jerusalem's womb and give it prosperity and true peace. I will restore the fortunes of Judah and Israel and rebuild their towns. I will cleanse them of their sins against me and forgive all their sins of rebellion. Then... This city will bring me joy, glory, and honor before all the nations of the earth. The people of the world will see all the good I do for my people, and they will tremble with awe at the peace and prosperity I provide for them. This is what the Lord says. You have said, this is a desolate land where people and animals have all disappeared. Yet, in the empty streets of Jerusalem and Judah's other towns, there will be heard once more the, the sounds of joy, laughter, the joyful voices of bridegrooms and brides will be heard again, along with the joyous songs of people bringing thanksgiving offerings to the Lord. They will sing, give thanks to the Lord of heaven's armies, for the Lord is good. His faithful love endures forever. For I will restore the prosperity of this land to what it was in the past, says the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. This land, though it is now desolate and has no people and animals, will once have pastures where shepherds can lead their flocks. Once again, shepherds will count their flocks in the towns of the hill country, the foothills of Judah, the Negev, the land of Benjamin, the vicinity of Jerusalem, and all the towns of Judah. I, the Lord, have spoken. The day will come, says the Lord, when I will do for Israel and Judah all the good things I have promised them. In those days and at that time, I will raise up a righteous descendant from the king's line 
He will do what is just and right throughout the land. In that day, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in security, and this will be its name. The Lord is our righteousness. And that's where we shall pause. I told you it was a long passage, but well done for bearing with me. Um, So, 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 as I scroll down, what just happened? In short, if you like me and like a recap, uh, four things just happened. Verse 1 to 5. God has said, you're trying to defend this city, but you're pretty much dead. Very depressing. Second point, but I will forgive Israel of their sins. Point number three, he then goes on to say in verse 10 to 14, if you want the references, I will restore what was lost. There will once again be safety, security, prosperity, blessing, laughter, joy, and all that good stuff. But for that to happen, God has to establish his throne, his physical throne there, and a king has to be risen up who is going to be called the Lord of righteousness. And that is kind of what we're going to explore. We're going to unpack some of this passage together, if that's okay. Um, And this is really, honestly, the last few weeks, I've been kind of racking my brains a little bit because you could go down the simple route, which I kind of will a little bit, with the Jehovah Sidkanu, the Lord is righteousness. Who could we link to? Guess what? Jesus, Um, which we will do. Um, But also, it felt really wrong just to jump into the Lord is righteousness purely and ignore the really stark fact that God does say to the people in this city, your current situation is not going to change, but your future is going to change. So I want to touch on three points, if that's okay. And these three points will be, number one, when you know who the Lord of righteousness is, when you know who Jehovah Sidkanu is, and let him be the king of your life, your personal life, your thoughts, and your outlook in the whole world will begin to change. Second point will be, when you trust in Jehovah Sidkanu, the Lord of righteousness, your current situation may not change though. But I can tell you that your future has been changed. And then point number three will be, very similar to the first, but a bit more of a deeper recap. When you know who we believe in, in that situation that you're in, it may not change, but suddenly there are different truths that you see the world through. And I think that's really important to, to, to understand. Is that okay? I've got smiley faces. If I haven't, tough luck. I'm here anyway. Um, okay, so let's dig into to, to point number one. When you know who the king of righteousness is and accept him as your personal king, your life your mindset and the outlook that you see the world will absolutely change. And I can say this as a fact because it's happened to me, it's happened to my wife, and it's happened to nearly everybody else I know who's called themselves a Christian throughout the many, many centuries. Um, And um, so what I want to do is unpack that, that verse a little bit. So firstly, Jehovah is the first Hebrew word that is mentioned. And it's really important because Jeremiah was speaking to a bunch of people in Jerusalem who were worshipping false gods. So Jeremiah could have said many words to say about God, uh, but he chose the name of God to describe this God he was talking about. He went to the people of Jerusalem, Yahweh, Jehovah. So the listeners of Jeremiah's message knew, without, without a doubt, Jeremiah is not talking about this false God over here that I've established, or Melech, or another God. Actually, Jeremiah is purely talking about this one God 
who is the God of the Hebrews throughout the ages and also our God today, if you're not too sure. So the first point is that the God, Jehovah, is who Jeremiah is talking about. The second word, Sitkanu, what does that word mean? Anybody actually want to hazard a guess? By the way, I said it earlier. Well done. You've heard the sermon before, and you're pretty good looking. Um, that's my wife, by the way. That isn't inappropriate. Well, maybe, um, but she is. Uh, so the second word, righteousness, though, is a legal term. And it's talking about if you're in a courtroom before a judge, and this courtroom, you're standing before God, it's saying, are you innocent? Are you guilt-free before God? So when I was reflecting on this, these two words together, what really stood out to me was this kind of concept. In only God can you be made right and innocent with God. So if you're here today and you're like, I don't need God, I'm good enough, I've done a, good, a few good things in my life, so I'll be okay at the end, uh, let me tell you you're wrong. Uh, many other people may not want to tell you you're wrong, but I will tell you quite happily, you are wrong. If you think by doing loads of good things and good deeds and giving a little bit of money to charity, you're going to be right with God, fun fact, you won't be. I'm very blunt if you don't know me. I can't help it. Uh, well, no, I can. I choose not to in this occasion. Um, it's actually when only, only when we trust in God can we be made right with God. So, this passage is really simply a prophecy about Jesus. And you, you might be like, well, who's this Jesus? Is he really God? Let me tell you a few facts. Yes, he is God. Um, in the Bible, uh, a lot of people go, is, did Jesus ever claim to be God? There are so many occasions which, uh, in the Bible, Jesus claims to be God. One of them being uh, Jesus uh, says, I am. And you might be like, I am doesn't mean he's God. Uh, let me uh, refer to the next passage where it then goes, the, the, the leaders of the church picked up stones to pelt Jesus because he was claiming to be God. They wanted to kill him because he was blaspheming, claiming to be God. Jesus claimed to be God. And the second thing, Jesus came to make us right, to make us innocent, to make us guilt-free before God. Romans 3, 22 to 23 says this, All have sinned and fallen short of the glorious standards of God. That's Romans 3, 23. And Romans 3, 22, the verse before it though, says this, We, everybody in this room and throughout the world, are only made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And I love the next bit. I've kept it in here for, for this fun fact. It says, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. So, so I said, when we know who this king of righteousness is, this lord of righteousness is, suddenly something changes in our life. And I only think that's true when we understand, not in our brain, it does help to understand it in our brain, but understand in our heart what, God has actually done for you? What has he given up for you? This is a good old-fashioned gospel preach, um, so enjoy. Um, so I said the legal word Sidkanu, uh, I said the word Sidkanu was a legal term. So journey with me on a story. Picture you are standing um, uh, in a courtroom. Has anybody been to court? Actually, probably. Oh, there's a few people have been to court. Hopefully, as a jury duty, not as the person being caught. But either way, no judgment here, guys. 
Uh, I've never been to court yet. Maybe one day I'll get called up for jury duty. Um, so picture, picture you're standing before court. The closest thing I've ever seen to a court is that, what is it, Judge Judy? <laughs> or what's that American one, the really trashy one? Uh, I don't know what it's called, but it's a good one either way. Enjoy. Uh, and um, so picture, sorry, I've gone off a tangent. Terrible. Keep to your notes. Um, so picture you're standing before uh, a judge. And this judge actually is God, though. Um, and the question uh, is this. Are you right now standing before God innocent? And you might be like, I'm pretty good. So what's the standard? What's the measure that God is going to judge you with and judge me with? So the standard is pretty high. It is absolute and complete moral perfection. What does that mean? It essentially means you have never once told a little lie, even a white lie. So if you're in marketing, you might probably be sacked. Um, unfortunately, that's my job. I haven't lied. Uh, uh, so you've never lied. Never once told a single lie. You've always been kind to everybody, treated everybody fairly. Again, I fail very miserably at that. I can't help but be occasionally be a nasty person. Um, uh, sorry, too honest here. Uh, there you go. You've never spoken a harsh word to somebody. Again, definitely failed on that one. Um, you've never gossiped or slandered. Anybody gossiped or slandered? That's a me. Um, I know I shouldn't, but occasionally it happens. I do need, I do need Jesus, you know what I mean? Blow my neck, we all do. Um, you, you've never been unjustly angry. So right now you might be angry at what's happening in Israel and Palestine. I'd say that's pretty fair, but you've never been unjustly angry. So say somebody cut you up, probably not okay to be angry at that situation. Bit annoying, but still shouldn't be angry. Uh, you've Now, this is a deep one. You've never lusted after someone. You've never wanted what someone else has as your own and then tried to take it. You've never stolen. Fun fact, I did steal from my dad once. He took a DVD off me, then I stole from him. I shouldn't have done that. I did tell him off. I did, I did apologize for that, actually. So there you go. Uh, no, after, well, I did tell him off, and then I, yeah. Either way, I apologized. I'm forgiven by the blood of the lamb. Uh, <laughs> Gone old-fashioned on you there, guys. Uh, so you've never got drunk. I don't know about you. Some people enjoy a drink, but you've never got drunk. That's the standard that God says, never get drunk. You've never had sex with someone outside of marriage. You've always honored your father and mother. Come on, guys. We've all done it. My mom's saying I've always honored her. Um, no, not at all. Uh, you've never, you've, sorry, you've only ever worshipped the God of the Bible. And this is a really interesting one, and I'm pretty sure most people have broken this one. You've always had one day off a week. There you go, guys. In the Bible, you have to have one day off a week. So, now I've gone through that list of things. You might be thinking, oh, I've broken at least one of those. And if that is the case, you currently stand before this God completely guilty. You have failed the standard. And just as in life, when you're standing in a court, you now have to have a punishment. And this is actually a true fact. We are all standing before God completely guilty and deserve a punishment. And that punishment that, that God dishes out is a separation from him forever. Man, this is dark. This is deep. You're probably thinking, why did I come to church today? Don't worry. There is a little bit of hope. Uh, there's more than a little bit of hope. Uh, there's a lot of hope. And the Bible's really, really clear. We've all made mistakes, man. We've all broken this, this covenant that God wanted us to keep. We all stand before him guilty. But this is the beautiful, beautiful thing. So we think back to the, question, uh, the thing I said. When we know who the king of righteousness is, our life 
our, our mindset and our heart changes. And it's not because we, are, we, we feel this necessary guilt to suddenly live for God. But we have this gratitude, this thanksgiving, because man, he's good. Because that's why Jesus came. Jesus came because we all have made mistakes. And you want to try and pay your, your own way. I don't know about you, but I, I hate people picking up a check for me at the end of a, a meal. I never do that. Always there with the wireless. Sarah said the other day, contactless makes being generous so much easier. Remember the old days. Um, so we all want to kind of pay our own way. But the truth is you can't make yourself right with God. Like tough luck. It's a fun fact that the Bible teaches us. But Jesus came to make us right before God. Jesus came to be Jehovah Sidkanu, the Lord who is righteous. And, and what I want to dive into a little bit more is what Jesus actually did. Very deep, I know. But let it sink into you. Let, let it sink into your heart like the depths of what Jesus has done for you and for me. Jesus uh, came to live a perfect life, but most importantly, he then came to die and rise again. But you might be like, why did Jesus have to die? Like, oh, it seems a bit harsh. Uh, I remember somebody always says, it's a bit sadistic, isn't it? God sent his son to die for us. Uh, but Jesus is also God, so God chose to come himself. And what happened on the cross is two things happens. Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, of the late 90s, but Martin Luther of the 1600s called it the Great Exchange. And what happens on the cross is two things. Firstly, we all in this room have a choice to go, God, take all of my utter rubbish, take the guilt, take the shame, take the mistakes I've made and have them. Jesus came so that when he was on the cross and he died, all of that stuff that we stand before God is guilty with we can now stand before God as innocent because he has taken it. He's paid for it. But that's not what it finishes. Jesus didn't just die to take away the sin and the mistakes that we've done. He came to give us favor. So I don't know about you, but when I stand before God, I don't want to stand before him guilty. I want to stand before the God who loves me as completely in favor. Jesus came to give us favor before God. So, the other week I was at youth, and one of the young people, uh, I asked the question, there's a couple of young people here, they're on the front row here, there you go, I called you out guys, uh, and the question I asked um, at, at After Hours was this, if you could ask God one thing, or you could ask God to say one thing over your life, what would it be? Have a think about that for yourself if you want. If you could ask God to say one thing over your life, what would it be? This one young person said something super deep. The question, uh, the answer to, for the question for them was, am I enough? And I think all of us probably ask that question every now and then. Am I enough for God? And let me tell you uh, a fun fact. So I'm a very honest person, um, and I do see a lot of things as black and white, but this is very black and white. Yes, if you believe in Jesus right now, no matter how you feel, because often our feelings mislead us, you are enough before God. Because it's not about what you've done and the things that you've done. It's about, have you made a decision to believe in Jesus and say, I'm sorry? Like, that's it. Very, very simple. And Romans 12 says this, There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
So when you come to know Jesus, you may feel convicted when you do something wrong. That's good. You should feel convicted. In a few weeks, somebody's going to say about the Lord who sanctifies, the Lord who makes us more holy. Yeah, we should feel convicted that we've done something wrong. But what, that, what you should do with that is really simply come back to Jesus and say, I'm sorry. Like, not suddenly put on like a bag of this shame and of this guilt of, oh man, I better not go to Jesus. That'll embarrass me. Man, you've already gone to him once. He knows a lot about you. Actually, what should happen is when we feel guilt, uh, convicted, let's apologize. Don't suddenly stick it on yourself and go, I'm going to keep on to this. I'm going to feel shame. I'm not going to turn to God. No, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, meaning you are completely forgiven and you are enough. So when you just think about that, I said our life changes. When you accept that fact, that you are enough, not because of what you've done, but because of what he's done. Honestly, your life changes completely. Like it's happened for me when I followed Jesus. Mum will remember this. Uh, I was a bit of a bit of a naughty teenager. I used to enjoy going out when I shouldn't have. Uh, there was one occasion when I went out as a teenager. Uh, it was 3 a.m. in the morning, and I was over in Claverley, somewhere like that, on my bike. And then I was getting chased by some people in a car. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I was like, Mom, can you pick me up? Poor Mom had to drive an hour away from her house to come and pick me up. Um, I was a bit of an idiot, I'll be honest. But suddenly I, uh, I met Jesus and my life changed. I wasn't out till 3 a.m., um, you know, biking around and getting drunk. Actually, my life started to change. And honestly, it's so true for all of us. And I had this outlook of, I don't want to please myself. I want to please God who loves and cares for me. So my question, first question is, do you know that you are right with God? Have you asked Jesus to forgive you? Because if you haven't, I highly recommend it. So number two, though, when you trust in God, your current situation may not change, but is a fact that your future will. So it was really hard. I was like, man, I don't really want to talk about this because everybody loves to turn around and say, when you know Jesus, your life's going to be fluffy. You know, he's, he's good, isn't he? Um, but unfortunately, I can't shy away from the fact that in verse 1 to 6, he does turn around to the people in Jer Jerusalem and go, you're building these uh, defenses, but you're going to die. Woo! Um, and the worst thing is, it wasn't like a pleasant death. I don't know if there's a pleasant death, but you know what I mean. Like, it was pretty unpleasant. Like, being attacked, they were like going to starve to death. That's one way they could die. And if you were lucky enough not to starve to death, you might get stabbed to death by the enemy or shot with an arrow, not a gun. Uh, and if you didn't, if you, know, if you were one of the lucky ones who didn't starve to death or get shot or stabbed, you've watched a few people in your, your life get stabbed and shot, uh, you then would get dragged out of your house to a foreign land and serve another king. So it wasn't really a pleasant situation. It was really hard. Like, how do I, I bring this message? But I really felt it was important for somebody or all of us in this room to hear that when you believe in God, your current situation may not change. But what I want to tell you is the same thing that Jeremiah told the people in Jerusalem. Your future will. Jeremiah talks about this beautiful coming kingdom where there's going to be joy and laughter and prosperity and safety. And weirdly enough, he's talking about Israel. Like anybody who's like, this has been fulfilled is delusional. Because all you need to do is look at Israel and Gaza right now, and it's pretty not, not you know, laughter and joy is not in their streets right now everywhere. 
Jeremiah was talking about a coming kingdom. He was talking about heaven. Revelations 21 says this, I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a beautiful, beautifully dressed uh, bride for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eye and there will be no more sorrow or death or crying or pain. All these things will be gone forever. Do you see the synergies between what Jeremiah 33 was saying and Revelations 21? Jeremiah was talking about this coming kingdom. And I'm not saying sit and wallow in the situation that you're in. I'm not saying God can't change the situation that you're in because he can. But for some reason that I don't understand, I'm pretty sure nobody else understands, he doesn't always. But what he does do is he promises us this coming kingdom, this thing that we can hold hope for. We live in a very, very broken world. Uh, And uh, I've been reading the children's Bible lately, a lot, um, because I have a new child. Well, I say new, she's seven seven months old. Um, And it talks about how God is going to come to make what is wrong right. And that is what he's coming to do. So even though your current situation may not change, can I encourage you to do two things, which uh, the Bible talks about? It says this in John 16, take heart because I, Jesus, has overcome the world. So whatever your situation is, it might be you're ill, it might be somebody you know and love is ill, it might be somebody you know has just died, it might be that you're in a really dire situation in your house, it might be that you're in a dire situation because you haven't got money, or you're struggling to feed your family. Let me encourage you to take heart, because Jesus has overcome the world, which means you too have, if you trust in Jesus. Let me encourage you to do what Hebrews 14 says. It says, hold firmly to the faith to what we believe. What I love about the word firmly is it's kind of this idea that somebody is, is trying to grab it off you. This peace, this assurance, this, this righteousness that you have. So hold firmly to it. and Don't ever let go, no matter what happens in your life. Because there is an enemy who is trying to take that away from you. But let me tell you, when you hold firmly to the fact that you are loved and you are cared for, no matter what your current situation is, you can find some level of peace and assurance. Let me give a little bit of a caveat before I move on to my final point. If you are in a really bad situation, God really cares about your prayers. He cares about what you are saying. And so often it might be like, that guy up there just isn't ruddy listening. Um, uh, sorry, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that word. Forgive me. Um, but I said it. Um, but please keep on praying. Like God really does care about what you are saying. And what I thought was really interesting and kind of goes on to my final point. Jeremiah is in the exact same situation that he's just prophesied to these people. He is in this exact same Jerusalem, which is currently under attack. He is experiencing the exact same starvation that they're experiencing. But somehow Jeremiah can stand there and prophesy this, this, this speech about the coming kingdom, which kind of for me symbolizes he has some sort of hope and peace in God. And Charles Spurgeon says this. If you don't know who Charles Spurgeon is, I highly recommend reading on him. Uh, it says a really fun quote, a little faith can bring your soul to heaven. Meaning you can be saved by just going, I believe in you, Jesus, and truly believing in him. 
Um, but great faith will bring heaven to your soul. I was talking to a, a pastor at school the other day, uh, Bill Coldwell, if you don't know him. Um, and he was saying one of the most frustrating things sometimes being in church is when you look around and we just kind of leave and not everybody's on fire for Jesus. Because I'm not, no, no, no judgment, man. I go, to, I go to work and I'll tell you some Mondays, I am not on fire for Jesus. I just rock up to my job and do my job and I'm not preaching salvation. But Charles said, a great faith will bring heaven to your soul. You can find peace and assurance you can find comfort in a God who knows and loves you. And my final point is this. When you know who we believe in, when you know who Jehovah Sikhanu is, the, the, Lord, the, the Lord of righteousness, even though your situation may not change, even though you're going to go to work tomorrow or be retired tomorrow still, or be a mom at home still, or whatever your current situation is, you can find peace and assurance and a hope in that situation. And the reason for that is we know who we believe. This, I love this. It's very old-fashioned, old isn't it? A verse above your head. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can find assurance in the, every situation because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what I want to finish with is, is just sharing a few facts that if you know Jesus as your, 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 um, your God, are true for you. And Sarah said um, this morning, I was walking with her, I was like, oh man, hope today goes well, Chubbs. Uh, Chubbs is her name that I give her. It's not because she's fat. She's far from being fat. She's very thin. Um, I shouldn't say this, should I? <laughs> don't give me a mic, guys. Um, she's very skinny. I don't know why I call her Chubbs. I always have. Um, <laughs> keep going. Anyway, I was chatting to her. It was. Hey, um, I was chatting to her anyway, and she said, um, kind of everything I've said is very, very true. And you might be sitting there, and you might have heard this a hundred times. It might be the first time you've ever heard it. Um, but ultimately, my name is Sam Owen still. I'm not God. And everything I've said can go in one ear and out the other, because I've sat through many sermons, and that's happened to me multiple times. Um, and Sarah, you can carry on playing if you want to. Um, uh, Sarah, when she was younger... Uh, when she came to know Jesus, I'm going to tell you a story about Sarah, not me. Um, she really struggled. Um, uh, so before we got together, some stuff happened in a previous relationship, and she really struggled with forgiveness. And then she became a Christian, and then she thought, you know what, I've forgiven this person. Ha, happy days. Um, and she was going on with life. And then she got to uni, was it? You got to uni. Um, and then all of a sudden, this wave of anger, I don't know what it was, suddenly overcame her. And she was really struggling for months with this, this wrestling with God of like, I thought I'd forgiven this situation. I thought it had all been sorted. And then it was like, it hadn't. And she was fighting with this situation for, for months. And then I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Chubbs, you, you went out for prayer one day, um, or multiple times. And what, what happened was not the change of her being prayed for by a leader, but actually her praying for herself in that situation so easily. So often when we finish a sermon, it's like, come up, get some prayer and let it be sorted. And actually, I think what I'm going to do is invite people up for prayer if they want to, and Lindsay can pray for them and other people, because I'll ramble. Um, but when you come up for prayer, it's not the importance of Lindsay laying a hand on you and suddenly, poof, 
something else happens. It's actually about you coming before God and praying yourself. It's the coming up is a symbolism of I have a problem and I need to come before God. You can stay in your pew because if you're anything like me, super conservative, I like the comfort of a pew. Um, I, you know, um, so I want to finish with giving you some facts that you may not feel are true, but these are so, so, so true. If you love Jesus, um, Romans 10 says this, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that means king of your life, and that you believe that God rose him from the dead, these are true facts for you. If you don't believe that Jesus is God and you've not asked for forgiveness, these can be true for you. But if you don't believe in him at the moment, these aren't. I want to tell you that these can be and you can make these facts true for you. So what am I saying? Firstly, is you are completely and unequivocally forgiven by God if you trust in Jesus. You are loved by the God who created the entire universe even if you don't love yourself or feel loved by anybody else. You are a son or daughter of God. You have a heavenly father who cares for you. This is one is for the young person. Uh, you are enough. You do not have to work to earn God's favor. We live in a world where it's like you have to work really hard to get everywhere. But not when you come to God. Just believing is enough. This one, if you love and know Jesus, I think is important for you. Sin does not control you. Galatians says, if you have been set free, do not use your freedom to fall back into sin. Sin does not control you. You are made in the image of God, so you are beautifully and wonderfully made. You have a purpose beyond what you see. And then the final one goes kind of with my original point or second point. God hears and cares about what you're saying. It's all right, let her talk. Um, so three things you can do. I'm, a, I'm from a sales background, so I'm always, always about what's the call to action. What is the call to action for this? Three things that you can do. I want to invite you to this space at the front, not because it's miraculous suddenly space, but I think it's important to come up if you feel these are right for you. Uh, if you've never responded to Jesus before, I want to encourage you and invite you to come and respond to him and go, God, forgive me. Point number two. It may just be that you know and love Jesus for a long time and you've heard this and you're like, man, there's something in my life which just still hasn't changed. And I want to see that change. And it might be that God's saying, come before me and let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. Let's seek some changing in there. And the third thing that you might want to do and come to the front for prayer is you may have heard one of those truths which I just shared and you're like, it's not true for me. But let me tell you, whether you like it or not, and you, if you love Jesus, they are true for you. So lean into that truth. It might be that you want to come to the front just to get that prayed over you. Me talking isn't powerful, but coming before God and asking the Holy Spirit to talk to you, that's powerful. It's the best thing we can do. So um, let me hand back to these guys and uh, enjoy.
Thanks again for listening. To hear more of our messages, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast channel for past preachers. If you feel like you got something out of today's message, why not share it with your friends and spread the good news of Jesus? We are praying for you. We love you. So please, if you need anything at all, check out springschurch.co.uk. God bless.